You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I apologize that that was probably very loud. That keeps happening. Again, technical issues with the new computer and whatnot, so I will turn that down and in the meantime whisper. All right, now I think I can speak up. Very sorry about that. Yes, I could just delete it, but um, I'm tired of doing that every day, so... I'm just going to be selfish and let you suffer. Anyways, um, also getting off to a little bit of a late start today because I just refused to do this episode until I got this audio issue fixed where I can't record anything, you know, any other sound that I find on Twitter, YouTube, whatever. Finally got it fixed, good to go. I was I was willing to take it all the way. I was, I was going to be not going to work today if I couldn't get this fixed, but I figured it out. So I do have a little bit of audio. I want to go back and play not the CBA stuff Rogers said, but the other comment that Rogers made, just so you can hear it, so you know that it, it's, I'm not just making it up. I don't believe that his whole I can take on anybody thing was nowhere near as I can take on anybody as certain people made it out to be. I've also got a clip that I want to play because um, there is an NFL player who basically just corroborated exactly what I've been saying about all this CBA stuff. And uh, I'm going to let you listen to him for once instead of me, um, because, you know, gloating, that's that's what that's about. Otherwise, we're kind of back to the whole, I've got a big list of stuff to talk about, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick from. I did update my uh, big board. So if you don't know, what I do is I go across all the interwebs, and I find all the big boards from whatever reputable sites that I can find, whether that be ESPN, I've got uh, Kuiper and Mayox boards, although that's not on this board because they haven't done their updated since the Combine. But all those boards that have updated since the Combine, what I did is aggregate them into one consensus board, and I just average it all out. And I create my own board from that. And there has to be at least, usually I did, or last year I did three, this year I'm just going to do two. There need to be at least two uh, boards that have this player so you don't just have some random guy that thinks that this guy's the 30th best. So then he averages out way better than he actually is. But anyways, I have like 460-some prospects on there now. These are all post-combine. So I want to talk a little bit about that if you want to actually see the full board. You can see it at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Uh, it's not based on what tier you're at, so if you're in there for a buck, you can see it. A little extra, little extra something, something for you. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I uh, give you stuff. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. You Again, you probably know more than I do just based on the title, but maybe not. I'm, I'm, I've gotten kind of, I don't want to say clickbaity, but I'm working on that. <laughs> I find that if I get too descriptive with the title, it sounds dumb. And, and, and I know for me, I've got like 70 podcasts I listen to. So I, I give a quick glance at what the title says, and I'm like, nope, sorry, it sounds dumb. And so I try to think back about what I said, and it's like, how? what is the most salacious way I can summarize at least one of the things I talked about? And that's going to be my title. But anyways, as always, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. That's where the party's at. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. And if you want to support the show, a uh, five-star iTunes review would be appreciated. Subscribe on Spotify would be fantastic. Joining Patreon, of course, is very, very helpful. You can do that for as little as a buck a month. Not only as a way to say thank you, although it is a great way to say thank you, you occasionally get some extra little tidbits from me, plus you get involved in the monthly giveaways, which, again, this month is probably based on how slow things are going. 
going to be a uh, a draft guide giveaway. But if we can get up to, I believe it is three, listen to me make up numbers, um, 25 more people, then we will do a uh, Pro Football Focus subscription giveaway. By the way, thank you very much to Big Money Topher for jumping in on Patreon. I call him that because his name is Topher, and then he's got three dollar signs after his name. So he's obviously Big Money Topher. But anyways, why don't we take a break and uh, try to run through some stuff as quickly as we possibly can. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Very excited to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by The Athletic. This is a subscription-based sports site for real sports fans. As I mentioned, I did recently get involved with The Athletic, and I absolutely don't regret it. They've got guys like Jay Glazier, Mike Sando, Michael Lombardi, and these are people that are in the know. As much as I like a lot of our local guys, I don't want to sound disparaging, but I've done that job. And there might be somewhat of an art form to writing properly. I don't really understand it. I don't really know it. The bottom line is, for most of the stuff that you and I read, it's taking one sentence of information and turning it into 500 words. And it's just not that interesting. Just calling it what it is. In fact, most of it is clickbaity nonsense, like some of the stuff I want to talk about today, where the title tells you one thing, and then you read it, and it tells you a completely different thing. And I'm kind of just tired of it. And I'm telling you, The Athletic is absolutely different. It's not just lip service. I'm not telling you I've enjoyed every single article, but there's absolutely a different feel to these, to where not only are they longer, which I usually hate longer articles for the exact reason that I just stated, but these are actually ones that I enjoy. I, I like the length of them because it is so in-depth, and I actually walk away feeling like, wow, I actually learned a different perspective to view the NFL through. Which, by the way, is why I listen to Michael Lombardi's podcast, because a lot of times he gives little insights and tidbits that it's like, just transform the way my mind views the NFL. But when you subscribe, you're going to get your own personalized news feed. Uh, there's live writer Q&As. There's a lot more. You get to just download the Athletic app, uh, pick your favorite team, the Athletic's just going to pop up news, whatever you want your news to be. And as a, bu- a benefit, and, and I, it is a really big benefit because it's not that expensive to begin with, and I really wish I had waited to, to get in on this, but I, it's, it's, it's worth even full price. But as a listener, you're going to get 40% off a yearly subscription to theathletic.com slash overtime. Just go to, again, theathletic.com slash overtime to get a 40% off yearly subscription. Just try it out. It's a year-long subscription. It's not that much money. In the grand scheme of life, 
you'll have bigger regrets. So again, go check it out. All right, so let's start with some of the audio. So again, um, I'm going to leave Aaron Rodgers alone as far as the CBA stuff is concerned. It's hard to tell how many feathers I'm ruffling. I know that probably upsets some people, and also I'm riling up some people to an extent that I really don't want to. I'm getting a lot of support on Twitter that is seemingly making it sound like I'm saying something that I'm not. I'm getting a whole lot of, yeah, forget that guy. I hope he, you know, crashes his... Nobody says that, but I'm just saying. It's like, what? Easy now. Let's ease into this, folks. So, slowly backing away from that. But this is the other comment that is not in any way anti-Rogers. It's anti-everybody on social media that clipped out a portion to make it sound like he made this heroic, awesome statement. And again, I'm maybe being a bit of a curmudgeon here. Why don't you just let me believe something that's not true? Because that's not my nature. I don't care what it is. I hate that. Let's all get together and believe make-believe. Nope, sorry. I'm going to, you know... The whole emperor's got no clothes thing, I'm that little kid. Like, dude, the guy's got no pants on, man. I'm not, I, I know you see it. I will always be that kid. I just, I can't help it. But I also like to believe that people that listen to this podcast want that. They're tired of being told things that aren't true and want to hear the reality of it. So I'm, I'm going to be that guy. It's not a bad statement. It's just, it's not what everyone made it out to be. So again, the, the clipped statement was Aaron Rodgers was asked about bringing a quarterback in and his response is, I don't care who you bring in here, I'm, they're not going to beat me anytime soon or whatever, right? Just very macho, masculine, whatever. Here is the audio of exactly what was said. If they were to pick a quarterback on the first two days, how would you feel? Well, look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a realist. I know where, you know, where we're at uh, as an organization and where I'm at in my career. I still feel like i got a ton of years left playing at a high level. I'm confident enough. I've I've always felt like it doesn't matter who you bring in, they're not going to be able to beat me out anytime soon. So um, I feel really confident about my abilities and my place. And, you know, we've drafted guys over the years. I mean, my first year starting, we drafted two quarterbacks in 2008. Uh, we drafted various guys over the years, but understand the business and the nature of it. Obviously, I'd love to bring guys in who are going to be able to play and compete right away. But I understand it's a business, and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have a problem. So again, the, the point of this is, that's boilerplate, man. That's what every single person says. Here, here, here's my prediction. The Packers will bring in wide receivers. Free agency, the draft, whatever. At least two, whether it's two in the draft, one of each. What, it does, let's just say at least two. At some point, a wide receiver will be asked a question, what do you think about them picking wide receivers? And the response will be almost identical. I believe in my ability to beat whoever comes in here, blah, 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 blah. Because you are a competitive football player. By the way, have I said the word super yet? I got scolded for saying super a lot, apparently. I don't know. what. what why do I even say super? Where does that even come into play? Have I said the word super today? Now I'm going to be self... I'm all, you guys make me self-conscious about everything. I can't say Antonio anymore. Now I can't say super. Point is, that that's, that's nothing. And we're making it into something. But, you know. I guess if you want to get excited about your starting quarterback, who is one of the best in the NFL, believing in his ability to beat a rookie... That's, I guess, something to be excited about. I would hope that that's his belief. I mean, I don't. I, again, my standard across the board is what did somebody say or do compared to what is the expected. So I'm curious for everybody that's super excited about that comment. What exactly did you think he was gonna say? That's making me more nervous than anything else. Like, were you sitting around going, "Oh, here we go. He's gonna say he's ready to retire, and you know, he doesn't think he can hold up." And then he says, "I think I can, you know, still fend him off." And it's like, whoa! He thinks he can win. Against Jake Fromm? Dude, guy's got some brass, man. Calm down, Mr. Ego. 
I don't know. I, I guess I'm just confused as to, to where the excitement comes from. But anyways, now you know the uh, the comment. Which brings me to the next comment. And again, the, the, the CBA stuff is just interesting because, again, it's sort of a, a dynamic. And it's kind of weird because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that are going on that are kind of making me nervous that maybe it won't pass. I don't, I don't know. Apparently, this was pushed back. Now, my first thought when it was pushed back was, see, not everybody has to vote. You don't have to. So if there's four people that vote and three of them say yes, then the answer is yes, right? It's, I believe it's just simple majority. I'm, I'm not positive. That was what at least somebody had reported. So my thought was maybe the powers that be weren't getting the votes they wanted and they were just saying, well, maybe if, if we just get more people to vote, then we'll get the results we want. That was my first thought. Then there was a report out that a lot of people wanted to change their vote. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And then that was immediately followed by, they're not a lot, I don't know who they are, they are not allowing them to change their vote. So it just, it sounds like this is going to be a disaster. And I'm, I'm getting at least worried that whether this passes or not, and I still think it will, there's going to be a, a, a rift. And whatever small divide there may have been, I feel like is going to get even bigger. And there's going to be anger and there's going to be resentment, which is a big part of the reason I didn't like Aaron Rodgers' comments, because it's going to potentially cause a rift in the locker room. And so I want to interject this in case anybody thinks I'm just full of it and I'm making this up about how there's a, a divide, not so much between the owners and the players, but between the upper tier players and the lower tier players. That is the biggest divide. This is from Sam Acho, who, and, and this is an interesting thing too, because Sam Acho is one of four players that is being nominated to take over the players' union. Now, the interesting thing is, I had assumed when you hear guys like Russell Okong and J.C. Treader, who had come out very strongly against this, that the the people nominated are all going to be guys that are very, it, it's just a matter of get as much as you can. They're all going to be Aaron Rodgers type people, which is very dig in your heels and force them to give us as much as we want, which kind of makes sense to an extent, except I think there needs to be an element of realism when you negotiate or you're just going to lose constantly. So it was interesting that Sam Acho is one of the guys who is seen as potentially going to take this over, and yet he comes up with this. First of all, before we get into his exact comments, this is what he said in his tweet, I mean, th this is what he wrote in the tweet with a uh, link to his video, or an embedded video. Quote, Though 1% of the NFL players have the loudest voice, the proposed CBA is a good deal for the other 99%. Here's why. That's exactly what I said. The whole us versus them thing, and, and, and the fact that you keep hearing this is a terrible deal, is just from the very few superstars. So, um, here is, as Aaron, and my one little swipe at Aaron Rodgers of the day, Here's one of the uneducated voices that believe that this is a good deal, who's too stupid to be able to think for himself and doesn't have critical thinking skills and is on social media all day just swiping right and um, is not responding to Aaron Rodgers' emails, not directly, but again, sarcastically, here is one of the uneducated voices who believe that this is a good deal for most of the league. The fact of the matter is that this is both a good deal and a not-so-good deal, depending on what kind of player you are. 65% of players in the NFL last year made minimum salaries. So when you talk about a 20% increase effectively year over year in exchange for one extra game, that's a really good deal. These are the kind of players that get excited about a fourth preseason game because that's another chance for them to show the coaches and the team their value. These are also the players that get excited about an extra playoff game because for them, that's a pay raise rather than a pay cut. 
But there's a different kind of player that this deal isn't as appealing to, and that's the superstar player. Here's why. Franchise tags are still in place. If you look at last year, 111 players were restricted in some way, shape, or form. That's 111 out of 1,900. It's about half of 1%. Those players are going to love this deal. That franchise tag and the transition tag restricts them for free agency. Also, you look at the fifth-year option, which affects first-round picks. 32 first-round picks aren't going to like that deal. But let's not be fooled. This deal is a really good deal for majority of NFL players who, like most Americans who work, get paid more if you play more. This deal eliminates superstar economics, and it brings everyone up with a tidal wave. So clearly a lack of critical thinking skills there by Sam Acho. But look, I'm beating this to death, but this is the reality. This is the reality I've been telling you the whole time. Is this a perfect deal? Of course it's not. But that's what a negotiation is. Just because you come to the table with a list of demands doesn't mean you get it all. I understand you want this and 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 this. But the fact of the matter is, I don't mind a deal that is more beneficial to the guys who are never going to be able to support their entire lives and their entire families through the NFL and doesn't so much support the guys making $200 million over the course of their career. That doesn't bother me so much. I, I feel like this is good for the league. I'm, I'm apparently one of the few people that doesn't mind the people that bring us the NFL making more money. I don't mind rewarding people that make my life better. I understand that's a weird concept to people in America these days who want to hate everybody that, that is prosperous. I don't mind. I want football players to make more money. I want the owners to make more money. I would like me to make more money. I would like you to make more money. If we could all make more money, that'd be great. We should all make more money. We should all have more stuff. We should all take more vacations. We should enjoy our lives. Wouldn't that be great? So I don't mind. I think this is great. I get more football. The NFL gets more revenue. The TV, that's the one maybe group that I don't like, are the, the television station. I don't like them. I don't want them to have more money because they monopolize football and they take it away from me. It's also why I don't like the 10-year deals. Why don't we let Facebook and Twitter bid on this? Twitter, up your game, dude. I like having these free streaming things on Twitter or, or wherever. I don't care where. But anyways, that's, that's a separate gripe. I just like when everything gets better. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't think this is good enough and maybe you don't think it's good enough, maybe it's not, whatever. Guys are going to get hurt more. Yeah, probably. But again, the, 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 the dynamic on that issue... If you look at Aaron Rodgers, over $200 million he's being paid. He's been paid in cash to date. I feel like he's been fairly compensated. And then the lower end guys, they want this. So who's being taken advantage of here? And if the, if the, if the superstars really want to dig their heels in, they can walk away. You've made enough money, leave. I don't actually want you to. I just, I just, I just don't like all the whining and the crying, the poor me nonsense. And again, this is... These are the superstars who have no business whining and complaining that are whining and complaining. And then you get Aaron Rodgers, who's chastising the little people, which, quote-unquote, little people, who have already made more money than I probably will in the next 30 years of my life, but the guys who are only going to play four years and make about two million bucks. And then they're gone forever. And then they got to go get jobs. Those are the people being chastised as being too stupid to know how to think so that they can support Aaron Rodgers after he retires because goodness knows... He needs additional, you know, gold-plated health insurance because he can't afford to pay for his chiropractic care. I love Aaron Rodgers, but this, this is just nonsense. Sign the stupid piece of paper and let's play football, for crying out loud. We demand 50%. Well, you're not getting it, so shut. This isn't a joint venture. When you spend $10 billion and go buy a, buy a team for yourself, you can give half of your money to your players if you want. It just, it just annoys me. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to go down that road, but I just I can't help it. So anyways, uh, let's change gears here. I don't have a smooth transition for this, so I want to uh, 
bring your attention to my newest and latest updated big board. And again, this is all post-combine. This is going to be, there's several that have not done a post-combine board yet, so this will be updated again, but I wanted to at least get this out. And so I want to run through the top 32 as it stands right now. The top two has been unmoved for a very long time. Chase Young and Joe Burrow are the top two. Um, now, remember, this is not a mock draft. I know in every single mock draft, Joe Burrow has gone first. That's not because he's the better prospect, necessarily. It's just because that's the way it, it goes with the Bengals needing a quarterback and quarterbacks being more valuable than edge rushers. Uh, Chase Young has been the consensus number one since forever. Joe Burrow has been the consensus number two, f not since forever. He's been rising, and since this is an aggregation, it, it tends to lag what the you know everybody kind of already knows. So as far as my board is concerned, a couple months maybe. Then at number three, somebody that has risen but has been here for a little bit of a while, he, he, he didn't change since my last update, is Jeff Okuda, followed by somebody that has flown up the board. And again, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it, is Isaiah Simmons. He's moved up two spots since the last update. He took Derek Brown's spot, who fell two spots. But uh, Isaiah Simmons is now number four. There's a lot of talk about maybe the Lions might draft Isaiah Simmons at three. In other words, instead of Jeff Okuda, you know, it's, it's a bold move. But I think it makes more sense if we stop calling Isaiah Simmons a linebacker, which is probably what we should do anyways. Because if you think about drafting a linebacker at three, it just kind of makes you cringe, especially when there's a top-tier, potentially elite cornerback just sitting there. But I, I don't know. Anyways, uh, at number five is Tua Tungavailoa. He has been sitting at five for quite a while now. Hasn't really fallen or risen. I mean, he, he was number one for a while, but ever since he fell, he's been sitting around five since forever. Derek Brown, I mentioned, has fallen two spots. And then you got CeeDee Lamb, who continues to climb. So this was, I mean, Jerry Judy used to be, I, I want to say, as high as like three for a very, probably even higher than that. If you go way back, he was probably number one for a while, as weird as that sounds. I mean, way back. Which, by the way, that happens every year. Whoever the big-name wide receiver is next year, just trust that he's not going to be going super early. This has happened every single year since I've been doing this, whether it's uh, Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk or Jerry Judy. These guys always end up falling. Now, Jerry Judy is still relatively high. He's still top 10 as of right now, but we'll see. He's probably going to get drafted outside of the top 10, might even be outside of the top 15. I'm not sure. But anyways, it's, it's a very common thing that happens is super, super hyped up wide receiver, and then he ends up falling. It's, it's, it's a generational, we've never seen anyone like this. He falls, and then he goes into the NFL, he's not very good. Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk have not been all that fantastic. Um, at number eight, Jedrick Wills has jumped up two spots to number eight. He's been flying up since forever. I mean, he was a second-round pick not that long ago. He is now the number one tackle in football, which has a little bit to do with some of these guys falling, but Jedrick mostly has just been flying up. Andrew Thomas was a consensus top five for a very long time, has fallen like crazy. Then you get to number nine, where you have Jerry Judy, who has dropped two spots since my last update. There's a lot of talk now that Henry Ruggs will get drafted before Jerry Judy. This could just come down to what team is, is picking, but it is interesting because I remember asking the question. When I went to go, when I just started this process to go watch Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs is the one that stood out to me more than anybody on the field. And it's one of those things where you're trying to watch one guy and another guy keeps catching your eye, and I remember asking... Um, it was Mark Jarvis at the time when we were doing our draft thing. I was like, is there any chance Ruggs goes first? Or, you know, because I kind of feel like I like him a little more. I don't know if I would agree with that assessment today, but at, at the time when I was watching, I, I just remember him standing out in a really big way. And the consensus, not necessarily from him, although he was much more open to that idea than anybody else at the time, is that no chance in the world. Jerry Judy's a freak. He's going to go top five guaranteed. And again, this is how the draft works. 
which is why I try to stay away from definitive language, and I'm trying to encourage everybody that listens to me to stay away from that because it just it doesn't super pan out. Whenever we, that's never gonna happen, especially when you're talking about October, November, December. Like, stop, dude. You don't know. You got a thousand people banging the table that Jerry Judy will be the first wide receiver. He's going top five. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. Even though we say that every single year and the guy ends up falling and he's going to be the third wide receiver picked. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, after that, Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs has gone up a little bit. He did jump two spots, but he's been kind of in that 10 to 15 range for a while. But he has kind of gone up a little bit, especially as guys have gone down like Andrew Thomas. Um, he's been seen as, as the better and better and is in the conversation for possibly being the top tackle taken. I did try to watch a little bit of Tristan Wirfs yesterday while I was at uh, the Y, but I'll tell you what, on a tiny little phone screen as you're on an elliptical, it's really hard to focus on a tiny little spot on the field. But um, I I won't give an assessment because, again, I I can't see anything other than I saw, you know, what seemed to be the defender going the... It was kind of like watching Tecmo Bowl where there's just these little dots kind of just moving around. It seemed like the dot was moving in the correct direction as though he was being blocked out of the way, but I don't know. Javon Kinlaw sits here at 11. I've never been as big of a Javon Kinlaw fan as most people. I kind of put him in the same boat as that Oliver. I get that he's very, very good, but I just, eh. I like him. I don't like him at 11, though. Exact same thing I felt about that Oliver. I like him. I just, I don't like him that early. But again, I'm by, I like big, strong, dominant, like you're not going to move me, guys. Tristan, or, J- Javon is not that guy. He just isn't. He's, he's a gap shooter. Occasionally, he's got this raw power that comes out of nowhere and he'll knock a guy straight back. But in, in terms of like, I'm going to stand my ground and you're not going to run this way, he gets blocked off the spot constantly. So I just, I don't know. It's kind of like linebackers, right? 230-pound linebackers that run really fast but can't get off of blocks are just hailed as the greatest linebackers you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want him on my team at all. But that's the way the NFL goes. So there you go. He's going to go early. He's going to be good at what he's probably supposed to do. And uh, we'll see about the rest. Henry Ruggs, as I mentioned, he's number 12. He's moved up two spots. He's climbing as Judy is falling. We'll see if he ends up ahead of Jerry Judy at any point. They are closing that gap very quickly. After that, you have Andrew Thomas, who has dropped four spots. I don't really understand that. I remember not very long ago, I think it was Tony Pauline saying he's never, he hasn't seen a guy like this maybe in 10 years. Suddenly, he's not even a top 10 pick anymore. So I, I'm just confused by all this, although I know Tony Pauline is not necessarily the be-all, end-all, but it's just strange to me. After that, uh, Mackie Becton. Again, I know that's not how you say his name. Don't care. I will say that as long as I possibly can get away with it. He has actually jumped nine spots since my last update. It's a massive jump. It is um, maybe the second or third. It's the third biggest of anybody that's a first-round guy, which I am just going to go through the top 32, maybe do a couple more. Oh, my goodness, it's 450 already. This is crazy. That's what happens when you mess with the audio all day long. But anyways, he's had a massive leap. I, I really am excited to watch Mackie Becton because the, the hype. And plus, I just want to watch a big man like that just dominate people and be able to move. If he's if he is what everybody hypes him up to me, he's going to be my top tackle just because that's going to be fun to watch. At 15, somewhat surprised, actually, Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama. He's been, like, very sneakily rising. I remember when he was a very late first, and this was sort of Grant Delpit. In fact, Grant Delpit was a top five for a while top 10 for most of this process was really fallen but the interesting thing about it is as grant is falling xavier just keeps slowly ticking upward he moved up three spots since the last update i didn't even notice that until right now that's very surprising i i've not watched any of the safeties because i hate watching if you don't have all 22 don't bother watching safeties it's a waste of time at 16 you got justin herbert who dropped just one spot at 17 you have kalevon chase on kalevon i don't know Ed Rusher out of LSU, he's jumped three spots. 
At number 18, cornerback C.J. Henderson out of Florida has moved up four spots. So again, this was a situation where it was, it used to be Jeff Okuda was number one, and then Christian Fulton was sort of the 15-ish range. Which actually, Christian Fulton was the number one for a very long time. And the funny thing is about it, as much as I rail about the draft community needs to relax, they're, they're right about a lot of stuff. Always early in the process, I'll come out with these boards, which, you know, it's, I'm just, I'm not, it's not my opinion. I'm just aggregating stuff. And I, that was one of the ones where people are looking at it like, dude, Christian Fulton's not going to be the top corner. I'm like, whatever, dude, that's what people are saying. I don't know. It is what it is. I, it's not my opinion. I don't care. They were 100% right about that. And Jeff, and, uh, Jeff Okuda has f- flown up. And now CJ Henderson has passed him. He's jumped up four spots, which actually is the, the move that put him in. So this is the first board in which he's ahead of him as Christian Fulton continues to slide. Then you have uh, at number 19, Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU. Another one that was very, very surprising. Uh, he was super hyped up, and it just it, he's just continues to fall. He dropped three spots. A.J. Epinesa, I already talked about him. Just not a huge fan. He has dropped seven spots since his uh, since the last update. That is so far the biggest drop. That might be the biggest of anybody. Uh, there's a tie at pick 32. But massive drop from A.J. Epinesa obviously largely because of his combine. At 21, you finally get Christian Fulton out of LSU. He's dropped four spots. At 22, LaVisca Chenault, um, another guy that just keeps falling probably because of his combine time, which I'm really hoping um, at the pro day he runs a lot faster. I know that might make it so that he he doesn't make it to the Packers, but to be honest, if, if he's not that fast, I, I don't know. Not saying I don't want him, but it, it changes my assessment of him because, again, the thing I like about LaVisca Chenault is he does all that extra stuff, but he also looks super fast. Like, that that hit me late because he's usually, you know, running out of the Wildcat or doing these little things so you don't really get to see a lot of speed. And then there was a play later on where he just flew down the field. It's like, how did he go that? So I'm hoping he runs faster. If that means we don't get him, then we don't get him. But if he's able to run faster and somehow the Packers can get him, I'm going to be over the moon excited. Uh, at 23, Kenneth Murray has jumped up one position. Yes, he's ahead of Patrick Queen. Again, this is one of the biggest lagging things has been the linebackers. Kenneth Murray's been here for a while. Patrick Queen has been way behind. This is actually the first board in which he's in the first round, and still he's behind Kenneth Murray, which is weird because, again, national nationally, everybody's saying Patrick Queen's the better linebacker, but every single big board, I shouldn't say every board puts him, it's not every board, but again, aggregating all the boards, Patrick Queen is always behind. I don't, I don't get it. Then change your boards if you guys are all convinced. I don't, I don't understand, but it is what it is. After that, a massive jump by Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Great combine. He moved up eight spots, the second biggest jump thus far. Officially put him in the first round since uh, since ever. At 25, DeAndre Swift continues to slide. He j- dropped four spots. Now, remember, dropping doesn't necessarily have to mean you're terrible. It could just mean people are jumping in front of you. But four spots, you did fall. Then finally, at 26, we have Patrick Queen for the first time in the first round. In fact, he jumped up. 24 spots. This is how disrespected he was. For whatever reason. I don't know who it was that was... I could probably go back and check. But there were certain people out there that apparently just didn't like Patrick Queen. But apparently that has all gone by the wayside. And everyone's kind of on board now and understands Patrick Queen is a football player. I don't know. At 27, you get Jonathan Taylor. After a good combine, he only jumped two spots. At 28, you get uh, the biggest jump of all of this. You get Zach Bond, edge rusher out of Wisconsin. I did watch him. Um, I mentioned that I was going to talk about a prospect a day or maybe something to that effect. I, I will, maybe if we have time after this, but 
the biggest problem I have with Zach Bond is that he plays off the edge, and I'm, I'm being asked, what do you think about him at line? I just I don't like doing that. It seems to make sense to me. It really does. When I watch him do the things that you feel like a linebacker needs to do, I really like him. And, I, and as an edge rusher, I don't care for him. I don't think he's strong enough to handle it off the edge. But when he drops into space, he looks super quick, super fluid. Um, you know, he's got the speed to kind of run laterally to chase people down. So I, it's hard to try to translate what he's doing into inside linebacker. But I feel, but it's just, it's hard for me to say definitively, like, oh yeah, if he's there at 30, you got to take him. Like, I, I just, that's really hard to say definitively that I know that he can come in and be a really good inside linebacker when I'm watching him play off the edge all the time. Because he backpedals really quickly from the edge back into space, I, I know that he's going to be a good linebacker. I like him, and he probably could. Again, he, he's very athletic. I just, I don't have the, I guess, full, maybe you got to watch a lot of him playing to be able to get that full assessment. I watched one game, and again, I liked him. Do not like him off the edge, but I liked a lot of stuff that he did. But I just, I, I can't, I can't sitting here say, yes, I want him at 30. That's way, and, and this is a lot of other, there's a lot of running backs who spend like 70% of their time as a wide receiver. It's like, I, I, I'm sorry, man, this is a really tough evaluation. Like in, in an entire game, this running back will run twice and he just goes nowhere because the offensive line is terrible. Like, how am I supposed to evaluate this guy as a running back? Can we just call him a wide receiver and say he's not good? I don't understand. So any, anyways, it's it's really a tough of, And if you have a game, by the way, in, in mind in which you played a lot of inside linebacker or just a game in which you really, really liked him, send it to me. In other words, him against Michigan State or whatever. Just just send it to me and I'll watch it. But I'm, I'm again, I'm not saying I dislike him or dislike him at 30. If we take him at 30, then that means the Packers have assessed him and believe that he will be good at it. And I, I you know, in Goot, we trust. I do trust Brian Gutekunst in his assessment. Although I do tend to be afraid of the whole mentality of, you know, it's it's going to be a process, but we can we can transform him. We have the technology type stuff. Again, I want to kind of move toward let's get good football players and away from let's get guys with tools and trust our ability to morph them into something special. Find good football. Let's try that. Just try it for a year and see what happens. Anyways, at 29, Jordan Love has jumped up nine spots, so he is officially now in the first round. I know that seems weird because he's always mocked in the first round, but, you know, again, number one is the lag. Number two is the fact that quarterbacks are always mocked higher than where they're actually assessed as football players. At 30, running back J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State has been at 30s while he was there last time. At 31, you have T. Higgins, who fell four spots. And then at 32, you had another big fall, Yitur Grossmatos, edge rusher out of Penn State. I actually have not watched him. Um, I watched him a long, long time ago. He was one of the first guys I watched because edge rusher is one of the first groups I watched. And it was prior to the 2019 season. So I only watched 2018 tape of Grossmatos. Didn't care for him. He he flashed flashes of being Miles Garrett. He's got a build like Miles Garrett, and I just feel like people see him as potentially that kind of a player. He has that kind of a I don't know if you even want to say that kind of an upside, but they see flashes of that and feel like they can turn him into that. Again, maybe he's taken steps, but he just looks super raw and not great from what I saw of him in 2018. And by the way, he was he was like you know higher than this on the big board just based on 2018 tape and he has fallen since so the idea that in 2019 he had amazing tape is hard to believe so that is the top 32 if i didn't say their name it's because they're not in the top 32 some of the guys that are notable that um i didn't mention jalen rager jalen rager uh was in the top 32 last time he dropped two spots meaning he was at 31 and he dropped to 33 
Trayvon Diggs, a cornerback that was for a very long time a first-round consideration. In fact, I mocked him to the Vikings several times because he was right at that Vikings range, and he's Stephon Diggs's. Actually, I had him go to the... Who was it? I think it was the Lions one time, but that must have been a trade back. Anyways, in that range, he dropped 11 spots out of the first round. Um, Another guy that is an early second-round consideration, possible first-round consideration, is one of the highest movers, and I'll get to that in a minute, Caesar, Caesar, Cesar, Caesar Ruiz, who is a center out of Michigan, jumped up 50 spots to number 38. So I, I, it's weird because I just started seeing mock drafts of him like late first, and I'm like, who is Caesar Ruiz? And then I, I do the updated thing. He jumped 50 spots. So big time. Another guy that has jumped up massively, and I know he's being mocked to the Packers constantly, and I do want to spend some time talking about him at some point. Um, maybe tomorrow I'll do a little bit more talking about him. But Denzel Mims, huge hype about Denzel Mims. Uh, He jumped up 45 spots. He'll probably continue to go up, but again, there's a little bit of a lag, and people are probably a little bit more hesitant to move guys up than, you know, whatever. But he jumped up 45 spots, is knocking at the door of the first round. He'll probably be there by the time it's all said and done, just based on hype alone. Whether he gets drafted first round or not, I don't know. But, I mean, you've got... um, Jeez, who are the, 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 the big YouTube guys? There's two of them. Matt Waldman did a video. I didn't watch that one. And Brett Coleman did a video. Both of them did a video about Denzel Mims because the hype is so big. right? So there's already hype. And then they do videos, which creates hype because they're talking about how great this guy is. So it just becomes this feedback loop where it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And builds. So that's going to continue to build, and he's going to be one of the biggest. Now, again, this is this is separate from what NFL teams are doing. And I like to believe in a sort of a purist sense that they don't really listen to it. So he's not really moving on any of the team's boards, theoretically. But as far as mock drafts and as far as uh, big boards, he's going to continue to move up. Uh, Let me just give you my two cents on Denzel Mims right now. He's MVS. Now, I I don't mean that in terms of him being a... If you look at his speed, he's MVS. If you look at his height, he's MVS. If you look at his weight, he's MVS. He is the exact physical makeup of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, on one hand, that makes you nervous because it's like, look, we've, we've been down this road. It doesn't make you automatically awesome, and that's true. The other way to view this, though, is MVS was taken much later, not because of all the physical tools. In fact, the only reason he was probably taken where he was taken is because of the physical tools. Based on his play, he, you know, ends up getting taken in day three. So what you could say about Denzel Mims, if the Packers were interested in him, if they did actually take him at 30, which the last two mock drafts I looked at had the Packers taking him at 30, is that Denzel Mims has the opportunity to be what the Packers wanted Marquez Valdez-Scantling to be, the guy that we've all been hoping that he can become, right? Of course we love a guy that is as tall and fast as Marquez Valdez-Scantling is. It's freakish, And, and one of my comments is, you just don't see guys like that very often. Denzel Mims is that guy. Now, Again, I I don't actually know the reality because it's very possible people are looking at the height and speed and thinking he must be better than what we think because guys just aren't that big and fast and he you know, but we as Packer fans should know better that look that doesn't necessarily translate. So I don't know. I don't know what the truth is. The bottom line is he's clearly a better receiver. I just don't know if he's still a second round guy that we're overhyping because of his his height and speed, which doesn't actually update anything because again. Everything is is on the tape. So everything you love about him is already there. And you don't give him a boost for being fast if you expected him to run fast. So he may still be a second-round guy, and that's fine. But if he is a first-round guy, and if the Packers take him at 30, then I will confidently think he, he will be, should be, could be 
what MVS was always supposed to be. Which, is, I mean, let's face it, that's that's an awesome, awesome thing. Not only does he have size, and by the way, I went back and watched a little bit of Denzel Mims. Wasn't nearly as impressed with his speed as I was with his physicality. And body control, by the way, is incredible. His ability to adjust, um, but just blocking. The guy is just violent. And I really, really like and appreciate that about Denzel Mims. As far as his ability to just run past people, eh, on occasion. But even with that, you got to have a good route. That's why Devontae Adams was able to get behind people at a better rate than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Because the fact of the matter is, when you just try to run past people, it just generally doesn't work. Again, because we're talking about fractions of a second, by the time you get enough separation, and granted, Aaron Rodgers has a great arm. He has the ability to tuck the ball in there. But you got safety help over the top. I mean, it... Even with top-end speed, it, it's tough to, to get those situations where you're actually getting behind someone. Plus, you got physical corners that are going to mess you up at the line. They're going to throw off your timing. And by the time you actually get behind somebody, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has got to just say this isn't going to work. I mean, you're, you're not getting there in time. And so you, you have to have that ability at the line to get off of press, to be able to get past people, to not get jammed up, to have the physicality to get off it, as well as the, the footwork to get off of it. You know, Devontae Adams can get past a guy on, in press without getting touched because he's got great feet. But also to be able to set guys up so that you can get them stumbling because that's how you get behind people. Again, that's why Devontae gets behind people and has separation despite having like four, five, five speed. Who knows what he runs these days? But I mean, it's, he's not running a four, three, seven or whatever Marquez ran. And so again, when Denzel Mims, Mims is getting behind people, it's because he's he's using his his footwork, and then he hits that speed, and then and that and that's why you can't catch up, right? Devonte, you got to get the timing because he'll get you set up, and then he'll get behind you. But if you wait too long, the guy will eventually kind of catch up. But you you know he he gets him stumbling, he gets behind him. Rogers throws it up. It's 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 an easy touchdown, right? But with a guy like Mims or Marquez, if you do that, there's no catching up. It's game over. So that that's the exciting, but also thing that makes me nervous about Denzel Mims is I need to know that it's it's really that he's just a really good wide receiver the extra stuff is just extra stuff the fact that he's tall is extra the fact that he's fast is extra the body control the back shoulder catches the the great hands you know I mean he's diving for balls he's doing back shoulder he's doing toe taps I mean that I love I mean he kind of reminds me of Jordy in that way and really maybe instead of looking at him as a an MVS maybe looking at him as a Jordy Nelson which I know that comp doesn't super hold up because he's, I mean, 6'3 is fairly tall, but he ran a 4.51. But still, it, it, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's more about the body control, and then he also beats you deep. But, what, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, what we really need is a guy that can get in sync with Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if he runs a 4.6 or a 4.3. I don't care if he's 6'3 or 5'9. I really just want a guy that Aaron Rodgers and this guy have a mind meld. And the great thing about it is, Whatever the corner does, we're going to do the other thing, and we're going to complete a pass, right? If, if you're going to play off because you're worried about the speed, we're going to throw under. If you're going to play trailing, I'm going to throw it past you. If, if you're going to play tight, we're going to throw back shoulder. I mean, it, it just whatever you do, we're going to beat you. It's the kind of thing he and Devontae have developed. It's the kind of thing that he and Jordy had that was one of the most beautiful things ever. He and Cobb had it to some extent, especially especially when he's doing those scramble drills. Cobb was, was a great bailout guy. Really just need a great relationship between a wide receiver and Aaron Rodgers on the football field. And a guy that has all those tools, like Mims seems to have, is is honestly what gets me more excited than the fact that he's, you know, 6'4", runs a 4'3", or however fast he is. 6'3", 4'3", whatever. That's cool, but again, it's just extra stuff. I'm, I'm not a super big fan of Justin Jefferson. I got to go back and watch him because, again, he's, 
I, I just watched one, and when somebody flies up into the first round and has a great combine, I definitely want to watch him again. And similar to the Minnesota wide receiver, who I really started to respect after being prompted to watch a second game, I want to go back and watch Justin Jefferson. But the point is, if he's the guy that's just a great wide receiver and doesn't have, I mean, he does have some pretty good attributes. Part of the reason he's rising up boards is because he ran a 4-4-3, which is great. But again, find me the guy that's just a great receiver that can do all the stuff. I'm, I'm talking about body control. I'm talking about great hands. I'm talking about, you know, yards after the catch is, is sort of a, a big attribute. But I'd rather you just be able to catch it and go down than just not be able to get open, not be able to have a... Re- the, the most important thing is however it's done, whether it's your KJ Hamler and you're always able to get separation, whether it's your Brandon Ayuk and you've just got great routes, whether it's your T. Higgins and you can just jump over everybody, whatever it is, there needs to be a guy that is just sort of indefensible. It sounds like I'm asking too much, but but in a general sense, he just has that ability. Because Aaron Rodgers is, is such a talented arm, he can make it work, right? If it's one of those situations where we just got to throw back shoulders and, and all this different stuff, and, and you just, you're the one that'll just come down with it. One way or another, you put the ball where it needs to be. I'm the guy that's going to be in the right spot and make the play. Because that's what we've been missing. It's not being tall and fast. I'm not opposed to tall and fast. I just don't care anymore. I used to get excited about it. Now it just makes me nervous that we're just taking a guy because he's tall and fast, but he's not a good wide receiver. I'm not indicting anybody on that. I'm just saying I don't want that anymore. I don't want T. Higgins because he's nine feet tall and jumps really, really high, but can't get any separation ever. If he can do all that stuff, if he has good footwork, if he can get separation, if he can have great body control and do all these other things so that Aaron Rodgers and he can develop a relationship and it's just a great, fine, give me T. Higgins. Whoever that guy is, that's who I want. I just I just super don't care about the four threes. I don't care about the six fives. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. It's extra. Now, believe me, if, if there's a Devontae Adams that happens to be six foot four and runs a four three two. That's amazing, because Devontae would be light years better than what he is if he had those extra skills. Same with Michael Thomas. Michael, If, if Michael Thomas, instead of running like a 4-6 or whatever he ran, if that guy ran a 4-2, oh my goodness, greatest wide receiver of all time. But he doesn't, and he's still amazing, and that's all I want. I just want a really good wide receiver. That's able to, and, and that, to be honest, that's probably why C.D. Lamb is going to go really high, because he's just a good wide I don't see it. But that doesn't matter. The point is, he's just that guy that's going to be able to do all the little nuanced stuff. He's going to be really intelligent. He's got great hands. He's just always going to come down with the ball. I just want a guy like that. That is that is my priority. So I'm not opposed to being really high on Denzel Mims. It just makes me nervous. And I just want to make sure we're doing things for the right reason, especially the Green Bay Packers, because we know they're obsessed with athleticism. And athleticism isn't a bad thing. But I think they prioritize it way too much. And, and there's some people that are just good football players that I think they're afraid maybe it won't translate to the NFL because the lack of athleticism isn't going to carry. And they believe way too much in their ability to coach up talent. So again, give me the most bland, vanilla, six foot one, four five five wide receiver who is a first-round prospect. That's the guy that's going to get me the most excited. Why? Because he does, he's not being pushed up based on any physical attributes. He's only in the first round because he's a, an amazing wide receiver. That's the only reason. And again, I, I probably don't even like CD. I don't like, I didn't care for CD Lamb when I watched him. But the guy's 6'2, runs a 4'5, and he's projected to be a top 10 pick, potentially. I mean, he's definitely a top 10 talent. But he's not even 200 pounds. So he's 6'2, 198, runs a 4'5. Why is he as high as he is? Because he's just a good wide receiver. End of conversation. Just one time, just give me that guy. Just trust in talent. 
trust the player more than you trust your coaches. Just try it one time, please. Because all this high spark score stuff just is not working very well. Because I mean, And again, it's every draft. Every single draft, especially some of the later guys, you look at it and it's like, oh my goodness, this guy has like a, a 9.9 spark score. This guy, he, he had the second fastest 40 time of all defensive tackles, as though that matters. As though there's a single tackle in football that's running 40 yards at any point ever. Oh, he's explo- it's this and that. Blah, blah, blah. Montrevious Adams, oh my goodness, he's so athletic. And you get excited about it. And he ends up being one of the worst players in football. Kingsley Kiki, same thing. Maybe he'll turn a corner. Maybe he'll become something. But he was pretty awful. Jason Spriggs. We got to move up in the second round to get him. Why? Because he's an athletic freak. He's not a very good tackle, but he's an athletic freak. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Is there a better talent at that at, in the fifth round? Yeah, probably. But let's, let's trust the athleticism that we can coach him up. And who's the guy that ends up being our number two wide receiver last year? The guy that we ended up essentially cutting off of our roster and then bringing him back, Alan Lazard. Lazard is tall, 6'5", but he ran a 4.55. Not the guy that's 6'3 and runs in the 4.3s, no. The guy that's 6'5 and runs in the 4.5. Because he's just a better wide receiver. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm going to go on these tirades, and then we're going to end up drafting a guy with a perfect 10 spark score, and he's going to be the, one of the greatest of all time, and I'm going to have egg on my face. I'm just saying I'm tired of it. I feel like we've beat this drum year after year after year after year, and it just is not super panning out. But whatever. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.